Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to church. How y'all doing? Good? Anyone not good? Want to talk about it? Maybe later. <laughs> good to see you guys. We want to say welcome. Welcome to church. Welcome to LifeBridge. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, we, we, ga- we gather on Sunday mornings together because we value worshiping in community together. We believe that a big part of our faith is supposed to be expressed together in community and not just as, uh, not just, as, it's not just an individual faith of our own. It's something that we, we express, we live out together. So thank you for joining us as we do that today. I want to say welcome. If you're new or visiting, there's cards in the seatbacks in front of you. You can fill those out uh, if you would like to get more connected. Um, and, and I always like to say you can also just walk up to someone and talk to them. Most people here are pretty. We don't have like a green room for the pastors or anything, so you can just sort of walk right up to them and tell them whatever crazy ideas you got. It's 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 all it's like kind of fair game around here. So um, we had a we I tried to get a green room in the plans and they said no. Uh, when we built the place, I also asked. We have like a stewardship team. I asked them for a jet this year uh, in the budget, and they um, they didn't think I needed that either. So I don't know. It's really regretting helping get that team started. Okay, um, my life bridge is a really good way to stay connected with church. So if you're looking to just stay up to date with what's going up to date with what's going on, we've got events there. We have a daily uh, devotional that goes that goes out in audio and in written form. And it, it's kind of an expansion of what we talk about in church on Sundays. And uh, Pastor John Adams, who will be up here in a bit, does that every week. It's a great resource. We encourage you to check out. You can give online from there. You can also get signed up for text and email updates, which we send on occasion to help keep people in the loop. So check out my life bridge. We also want to thank you for your giving that supports our mission. Uh, we believe, and the Bible says that it is better to give than to receive, and we want to be a giving church. We try to do a lot in terms of giving um, funds that go outside of here into other things throughout our community around the world. And uh, if you call this your home church, so we ask that you give to support our mission. That can be done online. Uh, we use uh, Venmo as well, and then there's giving boxes on both ends of the hallway. Okay, next. The Life-Changing Community Conference. We've been talking about this idea of life-changing community for weeks now, and we'll be talking about it again today. The idea that basically our church community, the relationships that we invest in are supposed to bring us to life change, to a place of life change, and that life change that makes us look more like Christ. And so that's kind of been our theme, our topic for uh, coming out of Christmas here. And we are and we are kind of capping that off with what we're calling a conference week from March 13th through the 20th. So there's a lot going on during that week. Um, we've got guest speakers on both the 13th and the 20th, those Sundays. We've got something happening Tuesday through Thursday night. And on Saturday morning, we'll have a, wor- a workshop taught by a guy named Stephen who will also be here preaching on the 20th. So we want to encourage you guys to mark your calendars and, and plan to be at a lot of that stuff. You can, uh, if you go to lifebridge.church forward slash conference, I think that's on this slide, uh, you can get registered and RSVP for things now so that we know to plan for you because we have, ch- we have child care whenever we're doing something during conference week and we have food. So uh, we want to be able to pr- plan accordingly. So please do sign up for things and let us know you're coming. The whole detailed schedule is there. I do want to just kind of highlight one of the things that we'll be doing that week on Tuesday the 15th. We do something we call Soul Care Night, where we take a topic um, and we talk about we talk about one topic in terms of the health of our souls, and we spend some time. We share a meal, 
we, we spent some time discussing together, and then we spent some time singing and worshiping together. And this one, we are going to focus on forgiveness. Forgiveness is a very important topic. Uh, there's a ton in the Bible about it. And it's really important in terms of the health of our soul that we're able to forgive. Um, and so we're going to be talking about that and engaging in that topic together on March 15th. And we want you guys to come and join us and be a part of that. Again, you can sign up at lifebridge.church forward slash conference. We have a time of singing in there too. Like I said, food, childcare, all that stuff. We try to make it pretty accessible for you during that week. So, so please do go to lifebridge.church forward slash conference. Get signed up for this stuff so that we know to plan for you. And uh, like I said last week, our, our sort of our strategy with these weeks is we don't have a lot on our calendar most of the time. We don't want to add to the busyness of our culture. But when we do have these weeks, we really ask people to prioritize them and, and to make as much stuff as they can. So about four times, we do four of these a year. And so it's kind of like it's, we have calm, pretty laid back. We're not expecting you here for like meetings every week and stuff like that. And then I, someone was waving. I thought they were waving at me. And I was like, hi. Okay. But um, don't do that. Um, but um, but during this week, we, we kind of flipped the switch. And we want everybody to be all in with us on this week. So please, you can tell it's still like four weeks away. That's why we're talking about it now. So you can plan in your calendar accordingly. Don't make, don't make this week what you do if nothing else is happening. Make it the thing that you're doing. And so, like, flip the priority for, for just this one week. We're asking you to, to be all in with us. So, so please uh, get registered so we can plan for you. And uh, we are really looking forward to uh, growing together during that week. Okay, the last thing I'm doing, we've done a handful of these, and I really like them. They could be a little awkward at first, but we just, it just takes one person to be brave. So we're going to do one right now. And, uh, and maybe it's you, maybe it's not. But we do what's called a gratitude moment. And what that basically is, is there's a lot of stuff that happens, um, there's a lot of stuff that happens at, because of church, because of the relationships that are here, because of the community that's here. There's a lot of things that happen that, that we don't talk about from stage, because and uh, honestly, in a lot, a lot of cases, we don't even know about them. They could be uh, in the context of a Bible study that someone's doing, or it could be in the context of someone having a need and other people coming around them to help meet that need during that time. And so every once in a while, we like to just take a moment and give people the opportunity to share something that they're grateful for that maybe the rest of the church doesn't know about, hasn't heard about. Because it's, it's an opportunity for us to be built up and understand that, yes, there are things happening um, besides Sunday mornings. There are things happening um, in terms of discipleship and community and all that sort of stuff. So we will do three of these. And usually we get three, but it's a little bit hard to get the first one because someone's got to be brave. So... I'm going to ask him. Okay, we have one already. That was easy. Do we got a mic runner? Bevan's going to come to you with a microphone. We're very grateful for the last um, year, especially. We've always known that God has had a hand in our lives, throughout our lives, helping us grow with our family. Um, obviously, our kids are grown now. We have grandchildren. And my husband has fought cancer in the last 10 months. And everybody had asked, what can we do for you? And we said, you can pray for us. Because we know that the power of prayer outweighs anything else anybody can do. And so we, from east to west to south to north, we had people praying. And my husband is presently cancer-free. We have been so blessed. God has blessed us with not only knowing that he's cancer-free, but also with any need he has had, it's been met. 
any household need, any, anything, and financial need, which is huge. Um, so God has just blessed us all the way around. We can't hardly tell you how much gratitude we have for the Lord that he has done this for us. And we're, you know, we're not these, you know, we don't, we're little people in our neighborhood. We're just not, you know, anybody special or anybody, you know, anything. So if he can do that for us, he can do it for anybody. And, you know, to be honest with you, everything that we've ever done in our neighborhood, he's also sent other people in our place to do those things to help us. So without even asking, he's, you know, filled those spots. So I'm, we're very, very blessed by the Lord. Thank Amen. you. Praise God. Thank you. It's great. I don't know if anyone wants to follow that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. We got to know, like, that's a, that's, a, that's a closer next time. Any others? You got one over here? Do you see him? There. Good hustle. Uh, ours is an easy one. Uh, we had a baby, actually, um, on Sunday morning, uh, Lillian. Uh, <clears throat> and it was, I mean, everything's great, so super thankful for that. Um, the week leading up to it was really stressful because um, Caitlin's pregnancy became kind of high risk um, a week to go. So it was kind of just really stressful, but everything went really well. and. We're very, very thankful and very blessed to have a great community surrounding us and lots of prayers, uh, lots of, uh, I don't know, struggling with contentment, I think, in the last week um, with the stress, but we got through it and we praise God and thank him for everything that he's given us. Amen. Thanks, Tom. I got time for one more. Or we could just do, okay, <laughs> we got one. Um, I just wanted to say thank you to the community here at LifeBridge um, for coming together for me a couple weeks ago and doing a prayer night and um, just having people that I've seen at church but never talked to and people who I look up to and never talked to just sitting in the room together and praying together was truly the most gratifying, incredible experience I've ever been part of. Um, and actually, like, feeling the Holy Spirit um, was, I just, I couldn't even, un like, put it into words. But thank you all so much for what you did and um, for God working through everybody and for what it's done for our family. So thank you. Amen. Thanks, Kaylee. I am thankful for this guy right here, Pastor John Adams. Let's hear it for him. Dude. Dude kind of gave me the wave, like, just, just come up and I'll just walk away. I was hoping he would just walk away and not say a word before I got up here, but of course he didn't. Um, all right, let's pray, and then we'll jump into the sermon for today. Father, Lord, we just thank you for all the good that you are doing in our community. Lord, as we talked about last week, the culture of goodness that you are creating here at LifeBridge and the stories that take place throughout the week, the stories that take place here. Lord, how we encounter you in even the smallest of moments. But Lord, we pray that this would continue, that your spirit would continue to inspire us uh, as your followers 
to do good wherever we find it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. My, my praise report is much, much less, um, I guess. I haven't heard praise report in probably a decade, but whatever. I said it. So if you're a church kid and you grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you're like, what? What is that? Whatever. Grateful for, whatever I'm grateful for, is less like community-oriented, but uh, I haven't talked about this in a few weeks, but if you were here weeks back, I mentioned I'm coaching my son's basketball teams, and uh, my son and my daughter, and I haven't talked about it for a few weeks, and I didn't want to jinx it. It's kind of what happened. But I'm happy to report at this time, if you've been wondering what's going on, this is just for your curiosity, okay? If you've been wondering, you've been sitting on the edge of your seat every week, like, what is going on with third and fourth grade basketball in Burlington? Happy to report that our team went undefeated yesterday. And, oh, it was a nail-biter of a game, though. It was like 12 to 16, and, oh. But we fought hard. We prevailed in the end. And it was epic. I mean, the gym was on fire. It was crazy. Um, Which third and fourth grade basketball, if you like throw the ball towards the rim, that's a win. Like we, that was a great possession if the ball gets towards the right basket. So, all right. Our campaign is called Life Changing Community. And we've been talking the last few weeks about how community, uh, the church, the culture that the church builds here is to be more than just like a social uh, outlet, social community. It's more than just a business networking community. All those things happen here, and that's great. But church is to be more than that. Church is supposed to uh, be a life-changing community. Our goal is, is not just community in and of itself, but it is discipleship. It is formation. It is to become like Jesus. And intrinsically, that changes the nature of what we're doing here changes the nature of what these communities and what these relationships are driving towards. So John mentioned we're going to talk uh, in Soul Care. Soul Care night, we're going to talk about forgiveness. And today I'm going to preach on forgiveness and reconciliation as well. And as I was planning this series out, the, uh, we're talking a little bit of justice, a little bit of forgiveness, uh, a little bit of mercy, all under the umbrella of reconciliation. Okay, so it's a, big, it's a big topic, and there's a lot to cover in it. I'm just going to touch the, I'm just going to do like a, a big overview kind of idea. Uh, when we talk about reconciliation, we're talking about just the, the, the exchange of hostility in relationship for peace. So exchange of hostility in relationships for peace. Reconciliation implies that something has been broken to a degree, that a relationship has been stressed, that there is tension in that relationship. And then that relationship, that tension is restored for peace. So we're going to see first and foremost, God is our example of forgiveness when we look at scripture. God is our example of reconciliation, that he reconciled us to himself. And in doing so, he forgave us our iniquity. Again, I said iniquity. I haven't heard that in another decade. What is going on today? All right, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Last week we were in Ephesians, and uh, in Ephesians 5, Paul writes this, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the language here is, is pretty self-explanatory. Follow God's example. So do what God did. Love like God is the big idea that Paul is laying out for us in here in chapter 5. Love like God. Look at what, how God has loved us, especially in the cross, 
because he's pointing to how Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Uh, that language is an atonement language. It's sacrificial language that, that Jesus has paid our penalty on the cross, that we go free because he took the punishment that we deserve. So what's implied in the cross, and the cross is this beautiful example of both justice and mercy on display, that we see God's justice, his, even, even his like, punishment sense of justice. Justice has a few different senses, especially in Scripture. It can mean just righteousness or doing what is right and following the law doing that, but, but it also has this punishment sense, which is how we tend to talk about it today, mostly. When we talk justice, we mean if someone committed a crime, they are punished. Like they, they receive the penalty for their crime. So even in that sense, when we talk about forgiveness and reconciliation in the church, one of the most common things that I hear is like, well, what about justice? Or at least, I don't, I don't hear people say that, but that's kind of the sense of the questions that I get. It's like, but, but should they pay for their wrongs? Like, what, what, what is this sense of justice? How do we balance the two? And in the cross, what we see is this perfect display of both. We see God's mercy and forgiveness on display, but we also see his justice enacted in his wrath being poured out on Jesus on the cross. That God is wrathful against sin and evil, but he took it upon himself in the cross, in Christ, to die for us. That the just punishment that we deserve, God took upon himself. So justice was done, and yet the greatest form of mercy that the world has ever seen was also on display, in that he took the just punishment that we deserve upon himself. So we see justice and mercy uh, just in full display on the cross. And so when we see that and we're to model that kind of love, we're to balance justice and mercy and to take it upon ourselves in that same way. Ephesians 4.32, the Apostle Paul says, very simply, he's kind of summarizing a long list of do's and don'ts here. Be kind and compassionate to one another. It's like, it's like, let's just start here. Like The most like basic thing, just be kind to each other, everybody. How many of you have said that through the last two years? Like, can we just be kind to each other? Like, wow. Same thing in the first century. Okay, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Again, we see this example on display. Forgive one another just as in Christ God forgave you. So again, God took the penalty that we deserve to bring reconciliation between us and God in Jesus dying on the cross for us. And so he has offered forgiveness that when we believe in Christ, we are reconciled to God. And then in the most uh, stark example of this teaching, in Matthew 18, Jesus tells this parable that um, should haunt us all in a good way, uh, not, not like in waking you up in the middle of the night for a cold sweat and a bad dream, but this should call us all to reflect on our heart. When we don't want to forgive somebody, like this, this should be kind of lingering in the back of our mind, what Jesus says here. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Okay, so it's in the context of church relationships, brothers and sisters. That's what he's talking about here. Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Okay, seven in the biblical language just refers to like wholeness, completion, fulfillment. So he's saying just indefinitely. Like you, you, you have a blank check of forgiveness with one another in the church, okay? Even that concept is a little startling, 
right? Because many of us have kind of a, it's maybe not an exact number of seven, like Peter, but we have a number, like I'll forgive you this many times. But if you cross the line too many times, relationship is cut off. We're going to stop pursuing reconciliation, right? Jesus says, indefinite. I'm just going to read this. There's a lot that I could explain on here, but the, 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 uh, it's pretty self-explanatory what he's going to say. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Okay, 10,000 bags of gold. It's a fine translation. It just means like a, it's an inordinate amount of money. Huge amount of money. We would think like zillions of dollars in our modern currency. Since he was not able to pay, because nobody could, right? Jesus is he's exaggerating for like effect here. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Common practice in that day. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Canceled the debt that was like zillions of dollars. There's no way in his entire life that he'd be able to work off this debt and pay it back. His children's children's children would be working to pay this thing back. And the master just says, canceled. You are exempt from the consequences of taking out this debt. They have been removed. He lets him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. It's just a small amount of money. It's like a couple hundred bucks. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. <laughs> All imagining like cartoon characters, like, ah! Right? His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Same scenario, right? On repeat, but far less amount. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. When the master called the servant in, you, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Then Jesus finishes this parable with these words. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Whoa. What if Jesus is serious about this? Like what if, what if forgiveness is really this important? And I think what Jesus is getting at here is this, we tend to think of it as like, oh man, I have to forgive. But what he's getting at here is if you really grasp what God has forgiven you of, how can you not forgive? That if you are the type of person who has grasped to some small, even minor degree, how much God has forgiven you of, you'll forgive. Because God's forgiveness of us is like in the zillions in terms of debt, if we're talking in monetary terms. In terms of debt, it's like zillions. He's forgiven us of so much. And then the offenses towards us, which, again, not to diminish. We're not diminishing the offenses that have been done towards us. But instead, we're saying the offenses that God has endured are far greater. 
How do we not forgive? How do we not forgive? And so in these words of Jesus, forgiveness is absolutely the obligation of his followers. This is what we do. When we recognize what God has forgiven us of, we must forgive others. Now, forgiveness is something that you do in your own heart. It's not full reconciliation, but it is the beginning of it. It is saying that the offenses that are owed because of what you have done, I am not holding those against you anymore. And you release them of those offenses. Next, when we look at Scripture, we see that Jesus has achieved our unity, meaning he has reconciled us to God and to one another. We must make every effort to keep it. Jesus has achieved our unity. We must make every effort to keep it. Ephesians 2, we're back in Ephesians, okay? This is the entire theme of the book of Ephesians, that God has reconciled us to himself, and not just the Jewish people, but now the Jewish people and the Gentile people are being reconciled to God, uh, to God and to one another, and they have to live in community now together. So this is the main theme of the book, is how has God reconciled us to himself, and then how, how do we then, as a community, reconcile one to another? and maintain the unity that Christ has achieved for us. This was major divisions in this day between Jews and Gentiles, between followers of the law and those who didn't. They couldn't even eat together because of the kosher dietary laws that the Jews were supposed to follow. Jews had Sabbath practices that disqualified them from working certain jobs, from being in certain uh, communities, and it was a very difficult thing. It was quite noticeable, we'll say this. If you were a a Jewish person living in a Gentile community, you lived a very different life and you were to stay away from everybody else. And now they're like at church together on Sunday. They're like, how do we we make this work? We don't get along very well. And they've been told their entire life to stay separate from them. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. So the law that called the Jewish people to be separate, to be isolated from the Gentiles and from the rest of the world, which was good. That was what was God's intention. Now he has set that aside. So now the dietary laws and the laws that required them to be distinct and separate, Jesus has set them aside so that they can now become one, one community, united in Christ. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. So he's creating a unified humanity, a unified church under Christ as followers of him, thus making peace. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God, through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. So in reconciling us all to God, those who believe in Jesus, regardless of your national identity, regardless of any other identity that we tend to place our our meaning and purpose and our identity in, he has made us all one, regardless of who you are, if you're following Jesus. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Band, you guys can come and get set up. 
Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So there it is. The unity of the Spirit, the unity that God has produced in us through the Spirit, make every effort to keep that through the bond of peace. Then he goes on to emphasize how we're called to oneness and unity. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The book of Ephesians is one of my favorite books. It's like Romans, but shorter, right? And it's really emphasizing this unity that Christ has achieved for us and that we should then make every effort to live in the unity of that. And it's to our shame as a church that this is still our, one of our biggest struggles, that the church in America is unity. What Martin Luther King Jr. said in the 60s is often still true today of our culture, that Sunday morning is the most segregated time in our nation. There's another church where I was a part of where we would do, uh, we, <laughs> to the church's credit, we tried to do a... Uh, a a Spanish-speaking service, an English, a bilingual, Spanish-speaking and English-speaking service. And it was, a, it was really annoying. <laughs> it was very difficult to pay attention and to listen. And after months and months of speaking at these services, I, I, I heard from many people that, like, they wouldn't come because it's really hard to pay attention. Because you have to listen to the English and then the Spanish at the same time, so it slows everything down. And I get it. Yeah, I agree. I'm talking. It's really hard to even like keep my own train of thought going there. But in order to achieve unity of the church, it's absolutely worth it to inconvenience ourselves for the betterment of another. And that's kind of what it comes down to. What Paul calls the church here to, the, the Jewish people to, at least in this church in Ephesus, is to lay down what they felt they were entitled to, to lay down their rights for the betterment of others. And that is at the heart of reconciliation if we are to achieve that. It's gonna come when we are willing to lay down our rights for the betterment of others. So here's our big idea for today. We need to pursue reconciliation with one another as God has done with us. I'll come up and apply this in a few moments, but allow me to pray, and then we'll stand and sing. Lord. Jesus, first and foremost, we thank you for the reconciliation that you have brought us to God, that you have died in our place. You have taken our sin upon yourself. And Lord, you have made a way for us to be reconciled to God. So Lord, we thank you for doing what we were unable to do. And Lord, when we recognize your forgiveness of us, when we sit and contemplate how you have forgiven us, Lord, the many ways that we have violated your law and sinned against you, and yet you still offer grace freely. Lord, how can we but offer forgiveness and grace to one another? So Lord, we praise you for that. And Lord, we pray that your spirit would continue to inspire within us a desire for mercy, for forgiveness, for reconciliation, and that we would pursue unity through the bond of peace that you have created through your spirit. We praise you, Lord. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.